I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 1962, the album, the best of Lenny Bruce, the artist, Lenny Bruce. And my guest this week is Herschel Weingrad. Thank you so much for doing the show. You're very welcome, Jason. So I was shocked and amazed that you said yes to doing my show, because I did not know. You never know if somebody's in L.A. Right. Or down to be interviewed. But you co-wrote Trading Places, among a number of other things, but it is one of my favorite films of all time thank you very so much. thank you for that movie thank you and thank you for doing the show and i i love that you picked lenny bruce not a lot of people pick lenny bruce so what's what's the motivation okay so before lenny bruce you have to understand um in the late 50s and early 60s mm-hmm. be- before the 1962 there was mad magazine yes mad magazine is the bible mm-hmm um the Bible for a kind of subversive satirical thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. The precursor of the Daily Show, The Onion. Sure. The Simpsons has countless references mm-hmm. to Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I heard your Harry Shearer oh, yeah. piece, and he was talking about Stan Freeberg. Mm-hmm. That was vinyl. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that Stan Freeberg, who was vinyl, Ernie Kovacs, who was TV, mm-hmm. and Bob and Ray, who were radio yeah. satirists, they all wound up writing pieces for Mad. Right, right, right. Um, the whole idea, okay, the skeptical a generation of kids from my generation who mm-hmm. who grew up during that period mm-hmm. um, were shaped by Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Be- because Mad Magazine took on everything. Mm-hmm. They even did a spoof of the atomic bomb. Right. And when I was a kid, we didn't just have fire drills. We had air raid drills. We didn't have active shooter drills. Mm-hmm. We had duck and cover. Right. So there was this end of the world kind of feeling. Sure. They took on brinksmanship. They took on commercialism. They took on consumer society. Um, what they basically told you was, your parents are lying to you. <laughs> your ministers, rabbis, and priests are lying to you. Mm-hmm. Your government's lying to you. There's nothing good in your cereal or, or, or your candy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's all a lie. Yeah. And so you better start thinking for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, the people that got hooked on that became the people that wound up opposing the Vietnam War and sure. the whole 60s cultural revolution, the sexual revolution. Um, Civil rights. Tom... Tom Hayden, of all people, said, my radical journey began with Mad Magazine. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> We've been talking about Mad a lot. The reason this record is out is because is we just, because it's ending, we, right. I, I picked some, a very young guy who has written for Mad for right. the last few years, and right. um, yeah, it just keeps coming up. <laughs> well, I, it's... It changed a lot of people's lives because it was the first thing look um roger ebert wrote all i really need to know i learned from mad magazine (laughs) everybody jerry seinfeld said they don't respect anything this is great (laughs) (laughs) right yeah um there's a great quote from the publisher william gaines who said um basically the media is the media is lying to you, and we're part of the media. <laughs> so we must never stop reminding people what little value they get for their money. <laughs> That's that was like the whole ethos of Mad. Mm-hmm. So growing up with that, it's it's okay. So you have this mindset about subversive satirical thinking, which is which is all about wake up read 
between the lines. There's a lot going on that is not clear to the naked eye, but if you can think for yourself, you can see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's like acid before there was acid. Right. <laughs> in, right. A, in a way. In a way. Well, and you know, and as you're a kid, you want to be irreverent, but maybe you don't even know how. And if your parents aren't going to allow it, especially if you've got this thing tucked under your pillow, you've got this like little That's world right. you can dig into. That's right. That teaches you how to be irreverent in a new way. Right. So, I mean, that was like, that was like the Bible for me and all of my generation. And by the way, um, first there was a reaction against early rock and roll in the mm -hmm. mid and late 50s. And then there was a reaction against comic books are evil. So <laughs> Mad was a comic book and then they called themselves a magazine so that they didn't have to be regulated. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'd forgotten that that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's I mean, why it's Mad Magazine. It was a comic. Mm -hmm. I used to buy it in the candy store, the drugstore, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call mm -hmm. it. Anyway. Were you reading it from, like, I mean, you would have been pretty tiny when it first came out, but, like, maybe about the right age, right? I was 10, 11, 12. When okay, it, yeah. okay, when it first... Yeah, yeah, so that's, like, my mind's ready to be changed. Yeah. God, that's <laughs> so good. That is... Do you... Have you still picked up any Mad Magazine? I haven't ones? seen any for years, and you yeah. know what? If my mother hadn't thrown them all out, I'd have a. You'd still have. I, I would have a wonderful collection. <laughs> <laughs> I I've brought it up before, but we've had a, a previous guest on the show who has every issue that was ever. Oh, that's great. Really, I I can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know where he keeps them. I do not know where he keeps <laughs> it, them. But ho hopefully in storage and really clean. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so then, moving on from. What this did to your brain, when right. did you first hear or see Lenny Bruce? I heard about him, and I think my parents went to see him, even though my mother was rather prudish. My father was from Brooklyn, so he wasn't prudish okay. at all. Yeah, so, sure. <laughs> so he actually saw him in a nightclub. Uh-huh. And um, I had heard about him, and then I was getting his records, and then all of a sudden, well, then, of course, later on, the whole, he was busted for so-called obscenity and and the whole thing about dirty words that's way before george george mm -hmm. carlin mm -hmm. yeah i mean he was busted for saying things that you can say on the radio today yeah, yeah. it's insane to me and it, it actually wound up killing him right yeah do you are you a fan of the movie lenny like what, what are your thoughts on that oh movie? yeah 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 i liked it it's been a while since i've seen it but that yeah. that is like one of the greatest just examples of just like heart-wrenching just watching censorship play out and how it tears a man apart right you know oh such a good movie so i mean okay so lenny bruce was like the ultimate satirist which is mm -hmm. to say a, 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 a real satirist is an idealist who's been offended mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he was a very idealistic guy and, yeah. and so but i mean he was making fun of organized religion mm -hmm. he was making fun of discrimination against blacks against homosexuals he was making fun of everything mm -hmm. and 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 he said i don't have an act i'm lenny bruce i just talk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is so much of that i could never i think we've talked about this before i can't nail, nail down what his act is there was so, no act. Sometimes there's perfect or impressions. Right. Sometimes it's a sketch. Yes. Sometimes he brings up another person or people in. You right. Know? Right. It's, I, I, he's gone. He's gone musical a few times. He was. He was. He was called sick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he said, "I'm a comedian. I'm not sick. The world is sick. I'm. I'm the doctor, the surgeon <laughs> with the scalpel." <laughs> <laughs> there weren't people who were saying things like that either. I mean, it does take an ego to be able to say that, but it's also like, "Hey, please don't forget that I'm I'm doing a service here." Not everybody looked at it that way. It's just like, "No, shut up and entertain." Right. Us. I mean, but I mean, he he had like really funny jokes as well. He said yeah. uh he said uh the only truly anonymous a donor is the guy who knocks up your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> See, he would say, I love that he would just like, I don't care how I say what I say. Like, it's, it's never been, again, it's not about the words. Correct. You know, and there's so much on, on this. I want to pull up the track list to this album, if only because in re-listening to it, I'd already forgotten. If, I hadn't heard a few of these bits in a while. But right. the whole Lima, Ohio thing. Oh, yes, Lima, Ohio is fantastic oh, because, so be, because that whole idea of, I'm stuck in this small town. Mm -hmm. You go to the park, you see the cannon, that's it. Yep, yep. <laughs> then, then he says, uh, he says he meets this couple. 
and they say you're from New York. He says, "Yeah." <laughs> they say, "Well, we have relatives in New York." He says, "Where?" They say, "Rochester." <laughs> so, I mean, but that's that's a very East Coast joke because huh. that's like saying, "Oh, you mean Albany and Buffalo weren't weren't available?" <laughs> <laughs> I I love it so much too because I don't think it was quote unquote okay for a comic. To shit on middle America in that way. Like, it wasn't. It's right. like, no, if I'm from the East Coast, you're going to see me as elite, so I have to be nice to everybody. He's like, no, I hated it there. Well, plus, <laughs> I mean, he has this great bit in there about um, that couple who who say, yeah, we have relatives in Rochester. They invite him over for dinner. <laughs> the husband says, so you play Hollywood? He says, yeah. He says, so is it true about Liberace? He says, what do you mean? What's true? You know, he says, well, Lenny Bruce says, what? He says, he's a sissy. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't know what he does in his personal life. It's none of my business. Mm-hmm. That's right. the point. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And then he goes on, well, you know, if they're going to say that, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to tear into him without them realizing it. I just love that whole, yeah. word. I can't remember who he says are then. Eddie. Eddie Fisher, probably. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. uh-huh <laughs> that's know. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all fruitcakes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> God, he does it in such a way where I think he's a guy where if you played it to a certain audience. And they weren't listening. Right. They wouldn't get that. Clearly, this is all about, it's none of my fucking business. That's his life, not mine. That's right. So much of what his That's right. work is about. Yeah. And, but I mean, listen, there were others um, that I should probably mention that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. also had an influence. Um, the 2,000-year-old man. Of and, and And people have to realize that, um, that Brooks and Reiner and Gelbart and Neil Simon and his brother and even Woody Allen mm-hmm. were all writing on your show of shows. Yes. And your show of shows was very subversive oh, as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. And then Tom Lehrer came around. Mm-hmm. And so that was the week that was. Well, what do you think John Oliver's last week tonight is? Oh, yeah. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Nichols and May yeah. were great. Mm-hmm. Although they weren't really political or topical. No, no. Yeah. And then Mort. Mort Saul became very topical and mm-hmm. very, very political, and he was he was also a big influence. Really? Okay. Yeah, be, yeah, because he was brave enough to sort of take on things. The guy still does it every week, by the way. He still performs every week. That's right. He still grabs a newspaper every week right. and, and gets up. And the other thing I used to watch was, <laughs> just because he would, was Groucho, You Bet Your Life. Oh, yeah, sure. So the classic, <laughs> the classic Groucho, You Bet Your Life is... He's interviewing this woman. He says, so how many, uh, he said, you have uh, children. She says, nine. He says, you, you have nine children. <laughs> how come you have nine children? She says, well, I love my husband very much. <laughs> he says, lady, I love my cigar too, but I like to take it out every once in a while. <laughs> oh my God. I don't think I've ever heard that one. <laughs> Oh my God! That's so. Have you have you seen? By the way, I don't know if you saw my Groucho album up there too. That's a boot. Oh, it's a bootleg. That's great. They they only made a few of those. They're hard to find, but and it's yeah. terrible quality. But there's some really great stuff in there. I ha- including some. You bet your life. I've never heard that bit. I don't think that's fantastic. Okay, I mean that's. <laughs> I have I have no idea how he got away with it. Oh, right, I mean, but that's. He would just improvise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you, you know. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, Later on, well, I read that when he was on his deathbed, an old friend came to visit him and said, so Groucho, um, anything you would have done differently? He said, try more positions. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so, not surprised. So, uh, so, I mean, f- famous last words. Yeah, right, right. So, I mean, that's, 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 that's the kind of attitude that I was attracted to <laughs> sure, always. Of course, of right. course. And it also explains why he apparently hung out with Alice Cooper a lot towards the end of his life. Did right. you know that? I had no idea. I didn't know that, but... Um, I used to, I used to play in a baseball league, and Alice Cooper had a team, mm-hmm. and Alice was the pitcher, and we actually became friends. Really? Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Wow, I want to know what his that that's a sense because I don't. He's obviously got a sense of humor. Watch him perform. He's, he's a golfer. Obviously got a sense of humor, right? And he's a golfer. Yeah. So, yeah, he doesn't track. None of it tracks. I can't figure him out. That's right. pretty fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a guy who did? Was your family? funny at all did that like or were you seeking funny elsewhere or both it can be a mix um, it doesn't have to be one or the other people used to talk a lot <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, if you could make somebody laugh, that was always a plus. Sure, so. sure. Were you were you like a comical kid at all? Do you have um, a performing side? I I was never like a somebody who wanted to, to, to do stand up or anything okay. like that. I never actually performed. Mm -hmm. That maybe that's why I became a writer. I get to hide behind the keyboard. Fair. Of, previously the typewriter or the legal pad and and pretend to be all the characters because yeah because i was i was probably i felt i was too shy to get up and perform so. okay okay but um basically we had four newspapers and four four daily newspapers and and three weekly magazines mm -hmm. and and this we had three generations living in the same house wow my grandparent, my maternal grandparents, my parents, and my sister and I, and so if you wanted to participate in a conversation around the kitchen table, you you have to read all those newspapers cover to cover and all those yeah. magazines so that you know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's even, amazing, right? Even if you're going to make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, and it, it, it's it's reminding me how how it's becoming on. I, I don't use it that much, but on Twitter, you really can't survive on Twitter unless you know all the dumb shit that everybody's talking Correct. about day to day. Correct. Which is why I'm never on there. Right. You know, I've got a very like small group of people. That's fascinating because I didn't, I did not grow up in that big of a household, so I can't imagine. Uh, were there comedy records in the house, or was like Lenny Bruce your no. own purchase? You took it. For oh yourself? yeah, there there were no comedy records. Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Too serious? Very like a very serious family, would you say? Yeah, I mean my. Mm, Maternal grandparents were born in Europe. My father was actually born in Europe and came to New York when he was nine years old. Okay. So, okay. so I'm first generation on my father's side. I'm only second generation on my mother's side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we we had that kind of working class, I mean, that kind of lower middle, well, first they were working class and sure. they became lower middle class or even middle middle class. That was, so, you know, you had that, you had that kind of social consciousness all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it, I mean, you obviously have a sense of, in terms of your comedy, I'm going to go off at trading places a lot, so I apologize. No, no, no that's fine. But it's, it's, a, it's, it's integral to who I am. I think it's integral to how I treat rich people still to of course, this day. Of course, of um, course. Is that a part of how you were raised, like sort of understanding where you come from and understanding that yes. people who, who didn't earn it or maybe don't deserve it? Well, I mean... The trading place is basically a fable, which is a. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a, a story in the service of a a moral, mm -hmm. if, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, it's a comedy that that makes fun of all the things that make Americans nervous: race, social class, financial shenanigans, mm -hmm. gender, et cetera, et cetera, and so. If you played it in a different key, it would be a tragedy. Yeah, yeah. But you play it for comedy, you get people laughing, and all of a sudden they, they realize, oh, there's something going on underneath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We dropped the N-word once. Yes, yeah, and carefully. Right, and yeah. so it's like, oh, that's what's going on. Right, right, I know, <laughs> I know. You know, and I've recently heard people, people who love it as much as I do, like, I don't know if that word's necessary. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the thing. It's, there's some co-signing going on. Eddie Murphy did not have to be in the movie. He did not have to be in that scene. I feel like he may he may have been able to say, "I don't want to do the move that this scene this way." I feel like you know it is to me talking from a white guy. It seems necessary to get the whole thing out. You know what once. I mean? Once, yeah, just the once. You know, yeah, and you know that's 1983. So. Yes, right, right. And um, also to his credit, Eddie Murphy. I mean, we wrote this line when he's when he has when he gets the money and well, I mean when he he has the house and. He invites his pals over for the party, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he gets very possessive <laughs> of his things. Yes, <laughs> he said, and and we wrote this line about who's putting their cools out on my Persian rug. Now, of course, going. of course, people from a certain generation, you have to understand that if you smoke cigarettes, cools were aimed at black folks. Yeah, yeah, and right. black black people smoke cools. They were menthol, mm -hmm. and 
the name of the of the cigarette was cool. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So Paramount said, "No, no, you can't have a joke about cools." And Eddie said, "No, yes, we can. <laughs> I'm going to say that." Wow, I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's also one of those. I think it's one of those early like. No, they're not really aiming. No, clearly, like if look at the marketing, they were aiming it at them. Also, menthols are more dangerous. It was just like a we don't give a fuck. Let's just like it, it was it was one of those conspiracies that turned out to be true. Like one of those yes. weird, like, yeah, no, we are marketing it to black people and we don't care how, if it's less healthy than a regular, quote unquote, regular cigarette. Right. Yeah. So I love that he stood up for that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Me. No, I mean, he was, um, he was very courageous. He had a lot of integrity. There's a lot. So for, in listening to this, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, in listening to this album. So I could not, but there are a couple parts that had never struck me, uh, about how much they remind me of some Eddie Murphy bits, very specifically the the pathos in some of the acting especially when he's playing the white collar drunk yes makes, oh yeah makes me think of eddie murphy doing his own father on stage and right. when he's a little kid on stage right those are heartbreaking to me still yeah they, like I, I get past any of the language which he's since apologized for but i get past any stuff that makes me uncomfortable and there's so there's the acting is just remarkable and it, him and Lenny Bruce, that's that's my first connection that I see. It's brilliant acting. On oh, that's stage. interesting. You know, I, I think because Lenny could do impressions and things, you know, but then right. also he did like, Father Flatsky <laughs> in the prison. So thing. good. So he, good. <laughs> he does he does Irish Irish priests. He does he does the guy in the prison who convinces uh, whatever the guy's the bad guy's name is Duke or whatever. Not Duke. Um, shoot what is it i just listened to it. whatever they call mm-hmm. the bad guy in all those prison movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it's like the the one who basically saves him is a gay guy who says it's me i i was the one who gave you the bed baths mm-hmm. he says oh i'll give it all up for you mm-hmm. <laughs> okay so my demands are <laughs> right i want to be the avon representative for the prison <laughs> i mean <laughs> He's just like, I don't know, there's just so much range in there and just so much range. In, and again, I know that we're not here to talk about Eddie Murphy, but he comes up a lot. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, and so does his $70 million deal with Netflix. That has come up a lot. <laughs> Holy cow. I can, he's coming back to stand up probably. That's insane to me. Oh. For the first time in what? Really? Yes. Supposedly Netflix is giving him $70 million to do stand up again. I'd watch that. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm sure he has some things on his mind. <laughs> After this much time, do you off of this? Do you, now this best of? Did you pick it just because it's a best of, or did you buy this as a kid? Is this one you actually bought? I had it, and then um, later on, I I'm sure I wore it out or I lost it, so I obviously bought another one a long, long time ago, which mm-hmm. I have, and I also have live at the current theater, which is okay. which is really. I mean, he does bits, but then it's really about getting arrested and the whole legal thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said, uh, oh, there's a great quote. He says, um, in the halls of justice, the only justice is in the halls. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on, on when he gets so deep into talking about that stuff on stage that it's almost no longer comedy? Like there gets Well, that's point. right. Like, well, what, what are your thoughts on it? I'm curious as a fan. Well, I mean, it was difficult to listen to and it was clear that he was unraveling. Mm-hmm. While all this was going on, and it basically killed him, he wound up overdosing. And and um, um, listen, I mean, they pulled him out of a private nightclub mm-hmm. in San Francisco for using the word that starts with a C and ends with an R. Mm-hmm. 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 He said, "A cocksucker." Uh, any decent wife would know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and they pull him out. Oh, my God. Any excuse. Any excuse. Obscenity. Yeah. Do you think he, in listening, because you probably heard this more of this stuff than I have, because uh, I listened to it at one point when, in college, but I've forgotten a lot of it. You say he's, un, he's un, you can hear him unraveling. Is he aware of it? Like, what do you think his experience is as this is happening? I think he just, he, he, he gets so obsessed in the uh, minutiae of the law mm-hmm. that he kind of becomes like a jailhouse lawyer. Right, right. Which is which is common for people who've been in prison, but I mean, he's someone who gets in jail and, and has a rather high intellect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can imagine his mind trying to, trying to piece together what, I mean, the kind of people who are, signing letters and uh, writing petitions supporting him they, 
everyone from all walks of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, really major, major people, not just, you know, celebrities. Right. And then the, the last thing the FBI wants on their hands in, what, 68? Is that when he died? 68, I think? Something like that. last thing they want is a junkie martyr, and that's, yeah. kind of, that's what they get. Though. That's right. It's, and I, it's, one of those, it's one of those rare cases where a celebrity fucks up, kills themselves, and I am still like, ah, but it, it is. Like, it has to be an example. It has to remain as an example. It's not the same as, no offense, but like no offense to people who love Jim Morrison. It's not the same as Jim Morrison. No. Dying. It is, this is a very different thing. No one was trying to shut him down except for Ed Sullivan. <laughs> and he just did it anyway, you know? Yes. So, yeah, that's, uh, it's shocking and sad. Yeah, and I mean, I mean okay, he has this one long bit where he says, the power of words is, is is not in the word itself. It's it's in who's delivering it and what their intent is. And so he he proceeds to use the N word twenty five times in a row. Then K, the K word for Jew, kai, ah. kai, kai, kai. and then and then wop and greaser and, and he says, if I keep repeating it, it loses its meaning. I mean, if you watch the documentary. The aristocrats. Uh -huh. <laughs> you see, you see, it, you see exactly the same thing. Sure. Which is okay. It's the dirtiest joke of all time. Mm -hmm. A joke that traditionally only comedians would tell other comedians because it's so right. filthy. But they would. Okay. The setup is always the same. The punchline is always the same. The whole thing is how the comedian embellishes the details of the story, mm -hmm. how awful they could make it, or mm -hmm. disgusting, or funny, or however they want to present this act. Mm -hmm. And so you watch that, and the horror of the joke, halfway through, it's not about the joke, it's about the teller. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bob Saget, yeah. Sarah Silverman, uh -huh. a mime, a mime yes. does the aristocrats as a mime. <laughs> I mean, I'm, and that was, you know, Produced and uh, you know directed by Penn, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? From you know Penn and Teller, mm -hmm. and and what was okay? What's really great about it is, it's like two weeks after nine eleven, and there's a there's a there's a roast for Hugh Hefner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it was at the Friars Club or wherever it was. And Gilbert Gottfried <laughs> is the host. Yes, yes. Um, and he tells a 9-11 joke. And everyone's groaning. Too soon. He says, too soon. <laughs> you want to hear a terrible joke? <laughs> I'll tell you a joke. <laughs> I'll tell you a joke. So there's this family. <laughs> and then he, and then he looked. And Hugh Hefner is like, everyone there is like, I mean, Penn tr tr tried to get... Johnny Carson to tell it, mm -hmm. but I think he passed away right before. But I mean, uh -huh. Phyllis Diller tells it. Yeah. Other female comedians tell it, mm -hmm. and it has a whole different slant to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I do love the variations on it. I I love too. By the way, that Gilbert Gottfried is doing this at Hugh Hefner's roast. Correct. Mr. Free Speech. Exactly. <laughs> Mr. Free. <laughs> other than Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, and a few other people, Mr. Free Speech. And that's fascinating that like people are still, I'd forgotten like just how much they tear in, but that guy will lean into it. He has no qualms about leaning into. Well, look, <laughs> here's, okay, there's an old Hollywood joke. Mm -hmm. You can make most audiences laugh at the following scene. Mm -hmm. A man dressed as an old woman is walking down the street and falls into an open manhole cover. <laughs> to make a real comedian laugh, it has to be a real old woman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, because comedy's cruelty that happens to other people. Mm -hmm. That's very true. It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, is there, okay, so can we talk a little bit about how trading places happen? I, sure. The reason I want to ask is because I do want to know if you're working out some demons here, if you, if you are working out a little bit of, like, your own class struggle or not, but I want to know where it comes from. Okay, so... It actually began with character. Mm -hmm. um, my writing partner played tennis doubles every Sunday with two brothers who were doctors who shared a practice, but they disliked each other intensely. And they didn't play on the same side because they each cheated. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Tim Harris, my writing partner, comes over to, to, to my apartment one day. He says, look, I've got to come up with something to use these guys because they're, they're classic, but we can't, we, can't, we can't make them doctors. But I figure they're going to make a bet about, they're going to have this argument, they make a bet about heredity versus environment. I don't know what business they're in. And they decide to like switch the guy who's running their business with like some street urchin. And I said, well, interestingly, I'm reading this book about how the Hunt brothers tried to corner the silver market and the Russians tried to corner the wheat market and, and, and make zillions on the commodities market. Do you, know, do you know anything about commodities? He says, no. He says, nobody does. <laughs> We've had movies about the stock market. Nobody, yeah. knows, nobody knows you could lose your ass on or frozen orange juice futures, much less pork bellies. Right. <laughs> so let's make them commodities brokers. There's a black guy, and then there's this Mandarin white guy who works for them, and they have this heredity versus environment argument, and they switch them, and then we're off and running, but basically, we're on the side of environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're on the side of, you know, it's like the song in Hamilton, the opening number, give me my shot. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's like the opening song of every successful Broadway musical, If I Were a Rich Man. Yeah, right. All I want is a home somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I lack opportunity. I have obstacles. Help me. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I can help. I can, I, can, I can easily help myself once I have this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Eddie Murphy character takes the opportunity, and then we're, we're, we're off and running. So it came from an incident. We didn't start by saying, let's make a movie that pulls the curtain on financial shenanigans, uh, race relations, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. The theme, it, the, it, it, ex, the theme exposed itself to us as, as, as we were conceiving it. We didn't, mm. we didn't start with this idea, we're going to make a movie about this. Mm -hmm. We right. started with something very specific that, of course, it's, we both have the same sensibility about uh -huh. about about race and social class and 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 economic injustice. So yeah. of course, all that's all that stuff's going to seep out. Yeah. And so, of course, we want it to be subversive, but it 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 has to be couched in laughter so you can get away with it. For sure. And if you're not if if you're not willing to offend people. Don't be in comedy, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, there's it's 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 in there no matter what. Like I've got my own sensitivity, you know. I maybe I don't want to hear a certain thing, or whatever. I have the freedom to walk out, right? But that's it's part of it, and I get that, you know. It, it's I I love so much that obviously it started with character. Uh, well, it's not obvious. I'm glad you tell me it started with character. But yeah. I mean, even even at the end of the whole movie, the character who's on your side is still the. An, one of the two biggest dicks in the whole movie because you know he's the one who's making the bet you know they're both they're both a pair of assholes right you know so that's that's at no point is that washed out right you know and i i it's just it's it's a pretty perfect movie oh thanks you know i uh, i mean i mean we were accused of stealing uh the prince and the pauper or, or stealing yeah, but who hasn't <laughs> or pygmalion or my fair lady sure. or or some Three Stooges episode I've, <laughs> I've never even seen. So I mean, oh, that, that that was just all that came as an afterthought. We did not yeah. say, "Oh, let's do a version of My Fair Lady." With of a, course not. Well, that's because it's one of the. It's built into <laughs> us to to be interested in that, right? I mean, I think. Well, you need a, you need a hook. You need a, you need something to drive the narrative, and that's the bet. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like what? What is it other way, oh, man? <laughs> And also, also, I still, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. I could go on all day about how much I love the movie. I could just be like quoting your own film back to you. But yeah, I don't know. There's, 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 ugh. sorry. See, now I'm just stumbling. It's one of my, I, I grew up, <laughs> I think I told you in the email, there are two p movies my parents should not have let me watch at right. like three. This came out in 83, right? So yeah. I was, so in 84, they probably taped them both off of HBO, Arthur right. and Trading Places. I still have the VHS and they let me watch them both on a loop. Don't know why. Not a good decision, parents, but whatever. It made me appreciate good, good comedy. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? You're lucky. Yeah, yeah, I think so, on a level. I mean, I had no limits about what I could watch or what I could read. Uh -huh. I mean, lucky. I mean, 
I was in summer camp in, I don't know, like 1962 or 63 or something like that in mm -hmm. this little town. And I walked into a bookstore and, and uh, there was a copy of Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer, mm -hmm. which I knew had been banned. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I bought it. Of course. And we, and we all read all the dirty bits to each other <laughs> <laughs> because that was their button, right? <laughs> but oh, so later on, of course, I read that book in a lot of Henry Miller, and it's not about, it's not about that at all. Sure. Henry, Henry, Henry Miller was a genius, and, mm. and his work's about so much more than that. Right, right. But, but I mean, that whole, you know, that whole, that lawsuit I was aware of growing up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we used to talk about that in my family. Mm -hmm. We talked about censorship, we talked about politics, we talked about, you know, the McCarthy hearings. Mm -hmm. And you just decided, yeah, this stuff's all interesting, but somebody's got to be making jokes about it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, I want to pull up the track listing again because I feel like I probably am forgetting one or two that we could talk about. Because do you, so out of all of these, is there, do you have a favorite bit on this album? You got Lima, Ohio, The Phone Company, How to Relax Your Colored Friends at Parties. That's probably my favorite. Religion Zinc, White Colored, Colored Drunk, Genie in a Bottle, Father Flotsky's Triumph, the Maria Ospenskaya interview, which I don't get at all because it's well, beyond my. The one that's, the one that, <laughs> the one that doesn't, I mean, the one that really offended a lot of people. Mm hmm. <laughs> and it's horrible, but it's it makes a lot of sense in a really twisted way. Is Hitler Hitler as Schickelgruber as young Schickelgruber uh -huh. gets an agent from M, from M, MCA who convinces him, value change the name Schickelgruber. That, that's not going to work. <laughs> and he could, we need a hit Hitler Hitler. How about that? And it's like, oh yeah, he was formed by a Hollywood agent right. because. How how else how else how else, I mean that's pre springtime for Hitler yeah, yeah. by a long by a long way right yeah how does this joke of a man become that right. powerful um, <laughs> religion Zinc is pretty great yeah yeah and really before it's time because I mean he 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 completely understood it mm hmm yeah it just break I don't but I also don't get he also there's no dumbing down for his audience if they don't laugh doesn't matter he clearly laughs at his own shit a lot oh yeah but he's just like I'm gonna go into this bit if you don't get the specific references doesn't matter it will track eventually we'll get there which is why some of them are longer bits than others well I mean he also said he said um, satire is a tragedy plus time right right yeah god uh, I didn't realize that he said that that's fascinating to me there's he said, he said, a lot of people say to me, um, why did you kill Christ? He said, well, it was, such a, it was one of those parties that got out of hand. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love it. I love it so much. So <laughs> I think I discovered Lenny Bruce probably in college, which is a, a good, a good oh, time yeah. as I need to discover Absolutely. Lenny Bruce. That was at time when people were you know, providing a lot of albums for free to others uh, online. And that may be how I had discovered it to begin with. I, I'm not incriminating myself, but that is how I discovered him for sure. Right. And I think the, <laughs> the line in how to relax your colored friends at parties, please, please understand people. I'm that's the language of it. I am calling it that. I don't use that word in daily conversation. Right. But the, the, that Joe Lewis is a hell of a fighter. I, right. That is one of my favorite exactly. lines in comedy of all time. Exactly. And then it, I'd forgotten how, every time I forget how much worse it gets, because it just, he gets, at one point he just says the N-word, just yeah. casually, yeah. in character. And it's like, oh my God, i just entirely forgotten how much he just, he's just like, well, you guys are along for the ride, let's see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not willing to offend, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does, does have a point. There's some people who offend who clearly don't know what they're doing. They just want to say a dirty word or a dumb, yeah. bad word. But this, right. there's there's intent behind this. Because yes. there are even a couple times where I'm like, I'd forgotten. Wait, is he doing a bit about? Yes, of course he's doing a bit about this. He just, he he had this awareness that a lot, of, a lot of comics didn't, you know. And he knew, I think, I think he knew from touring, you know, everywhere on the uh, around the country, like, right. what a hack comic was. And what a comic who was hip, as he would have said, was. Yeah. Like, just, and... Have you seen The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Have you watched that show? I haven't seen it yet. It's so good, number one. 
lot, lot of inaccuracies, but that doesn't matter. It gets the dramatic point across. Right. The guy who plays Lenny Bruce is remarkable. There's a guy who plays Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce in that is show? a character oh, wow. in the show. Now, and it now is I have to watch it. Remarkable. He re in the most recent se uh, season, he recreates a bit from the Steve Allen show. Pre not word for word, but very close. And it's just like it's not just an impression because he gets to act the character in these scenes that clearly never really happen in life. Right. And he's very good. To be able to act within an impression is that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's I worth mean, watching. It's worth watching. I just feel like I should recommend that. It's a good show. Good. I will now. Um, did you, what are, what are some other, okay, so we talked about this, talking about 2000 year old man. Are there yeah. any other albums we haven't touched upon that maybe you listen to? I listened to Tom Lehrer. Yeah. Ah, oh, so good. Really smart. Mm -hmm. I, I actually did listen to, uh, Freebird later yeah. on. Um, I listened to Nichols in May, mm -hmm. of course. Um, when I was younger. <laughs> I listened to Alan Sherman. Yeah, uh, of course, of right? course. Who mentions Vernon Von Braun and people like that? From, <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Like, oh, I get that joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Nazi, and now he's running our space program. That uh -huh. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a little strange. <laughs> um, there was a guy named Vaughn Meter who used to do yes. Kennedy impressions. Yes. Uh, somewhere in here, I have for some reason twenty copies of the first family. So I'm the first family. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that was kind. Of, I know, but I mean that that wasn't really subversive. He was just no, no. He, but he hit he hit that wave and ran with it. Actually speaking, I, I do you know the? Have you ever heard the, the the supposed Lenny Bruce story? What happened the night of JFK's assassination? No. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm glad I get to tell you this. Oh, no, good. He gets up on stage and said, "Well, Von Meat is fucked." That's the first <laughs> thing he says. That's, that's how it's told to me a million times. So I, I'm assuming it's true. Could be apocryphal. That's great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what happened to his career? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, long story too, but I interviewed his widow. She tells a different story slightly than the way it's painted. And by the end of it, I was like, I don't know if I like Von Meter anymore. I like this lady who took care of him for the rest of his oh. life. Fascinating. Fascinating, dark, 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 angry man. He was, huh? Yeah. At least after all that happened. It's crazy. Comedy's a weird place. Comedy's a very weird place. Have you ever seen any of your favorite comics live? Because I haven't gotten to see too many. I've seen the Smothers Brothers once. That was amazing. I saw some people at some Friars Club roast. They, <sighs> they were really funny. Oh, my God. I mean, Milton was actually still there and oh my all God. those guys. And I mean, Milton was pretty old by then. But I mean, all those, I mean, all those guys named Jackie were all there. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> and... Uh, the jokes were r really funny because they were all uncensored. Sure, th that was that was that that was great. I saw um, Rodney Dangerfield was great. Oh my goodness gracious! When did, do you remember when you saw him? I cannot recall, but okay. um, <laughs> I know he used to walk around uh, Beverly Hills only dressed in a bathrobe for. I've heard that <laughs> for years, like like he was Vincent the Chin Gigante <laughs> pretending to be insane. <laughs> When he was on trial, oh, yeah, for, right. you know, being a mob boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> did you ever, how, I don't know how trading, but did you ever see Eddie Murphy live? Or was it just a thing where, like, he got attached to it and the movie got made? Well, we actually pitched it to a different studio. Okay. And um, we had the whole pitch down. We were, we were like, we were really prepared. Mm -hmm. And uh, the head of production at this one studio, he said, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, it's good, but if I can't get... Richard Pryor, how can I make this movie? We said, well, you, you have to watch that kid on Saturday Night Live. Eddie Murphy said, I don't think he's going to be a star. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck. So then we went to a different studio. Uh-huh. <laughs> and <Wow>. um, <laughs> actually, before he was attached, uh, somebody, somebody sent it to Gene Wilder to play the Aykroyd role. Interesting. Because Gene Wilder claimed he could deliver Richard Pryor. Sure. Because of their previous collaborations. Sure. Yeah. Stir Crazy and the other one. Wow. Uh, the something train, whatever that train was. Uh-huh, Silver Streak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um Okay. Gene, Gene Wilder claimed that he and he and Pryor was, were like still very close and he could actually deliver them. So he reads our script and he says, I have nothing to play. Now, what what if <laughs> this is classic what if, i'm sorry i mean he, he's a lovely guy and i'm and he's passed away but he he said he said what if my character 
can't be touched. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that's an actor's way to get everyone to look at him in every single scene. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Is somebody going to touch him now? (laughs) And what's he going to do? So he's like... Rather than playing a character, he, he wants to retreat into what's comfortable, the Gene Wilder quirky thing. Sure, sure. Now, I thought Aykroyd was incredibly great because he was willing to be an a-hole yeah. for, two, for two-thirds of the film. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and he was really, really, he, he went right after. He did not try to make himself sympathetic for no. quite a lot. I mean, there's some, there's some little hints early on that you think, hmm. I'm just going to let this f- slide, but he, he, <laughs> he knows that the Dukes are corrupt. Right. I mean... Right. And, and, but I mean, it was really generous of him as an actor to like take that awful preppy part head on. Mm-hmm. It's, but, it's not luck, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> like the more I watch it, like I'm just like... Fuck, like, there's nobody now who'll be like, well, can we make this guy more charming? Because, like, I've got a guy. Like, I just read somewhere that apparently, this is, I don't know if this is true, but people like The Rock and stuff have people who watch to make sure that they win as many fights as they lose in movies. This is what I am hearing. I'm monitoring it that closely. I actually actually read a column about Fast and the Furious where they were counting each other's punches. (laughs) Seriously. That's so insane. They were counting each other's punches. Now... I will tell you that I worked uncredited mm-hmm. on a Kirk Douglas, Burt Lancaster film. Okay. I can't. I, mm, its title escapes me at the moment. Uh-huh. So I, it was obviously that influential. But um, <laughs> <laughs> tough guys. Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. So I worked for a few weeks on that. We were hired to do a script surgery, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. polish, clean up. Um, and what we realized was as long as those two guys had known each other and they, they were big, big stars and they were competing, mm-hmm. and even at this late age, they were still competing. And so Bert was upset because Kirk's... Kirk in the script had a girlfriend and he didn't, so he wanted to have a girlfriend. And then and then they each they each counted the number of lines that oh, each of them had. Holy cow. Is that vain? Uh-huh. Wow. But that's you know, that was the attitude, I suppose. For sure. I, I get <laughs> I guess Dan I I have to assume Ackroyd's just all about the comedy. That's all I have to he assume. Was. Just like let's make this work. He however. was great. Oh, it's so so good. Oh my God! I, I, I mean, I, there's. What about Don Amici? How did that happen? Because I feel like that's one of those like grab yourself him. moments. He because, was great. Um, well, I think Landis tried to get Ray Milland and somebody else, and they weren't insurable because of their health. Oh, okay, makes and sense. And Don and Ralph were passed by the by by their physicals or by the bonding company or mm-hmm. the insurance company, whatever. And yeah. So, um, they were they were so professional. They they were it's like one or two takes. They were completely prepared. One or two takes, you're done with that. I mean, mm-hmm. and they were such sweethearts. I went out to lunch with Don a couple times. He was a really lovely guy. Yeah, it's you amazing. know, um, he actually owned the first professional football team here in Los Angeles called the L.A. Dons. Really? Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. That's what. That's yes. fascinating. Yeah, look it up. <laughs> I mean, um, I was out to lunch with them, and like all these, all these elderly women <laughs> came over to the table to get his autograph. Of course, because he was a huge movie star. Yeah, yeah. We used to have this joke that Don Amici story starring Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that guy was one of the best-looking men in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. It was like, good guy. And still, as a however old he was in this film, 75, 80, yeah. how old is he? I don't know. Oh, but then still he, a good-looking dude. Then he turned around and made Cocoon. Right. I keep forgetting right? that that's after this. Right. Yeah. And you did end up working with um, Richard Pryor anyway. Right? Yeah, I did. So, so uh, Brewster's Millions, correct? Yeah. What was... So that's, I mean, that's obviously an assignment thing, right? You weren't yeah. like, I want to remake Brewster's Millions. You were like, they were like, 
we want to remake Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor. Can you please write it? Right? No, they didn't. No? They didn't want to make they, it. Okay? okay. First they okay. first they just wanted to remake it. Okay. 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 So you, you have to understand this was this was a novel and a play mm-hmm. and a silent film, I believe, with Fatty Arbuckle. Okay. And it it had been made and made and made. It was even made with a woman in England. Uh huh. Miss Brewster's Millions. Interesting. Okay. Um. And Universal had the right to remake the last version of it, which they made with Dennis O'Keefe as a returning World War II veteran. Okay. All right. So that's where the underlying rights came from. Mm-hmm. So um, they asked my partner and I, so can you come up with a story? So we actually wrote it for, and this is a completely different movie, of course. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray is a washed-up astronaut <laughs> selling knockoff jeans on the streets of New York. What the hell? When he gets hunted down by these attorneys who say, Mr. Brewster, <laughs> wow. you're about to inherit, well, you know, all this. <laughs> washed-up astronaut. <laughs> oh. But ultimately, Walter Hill got involved and... um We decided to go after Richard. Mm -hmm. And Richard, to his credit, said, okay, I don't want you to, like, make my dialogue black. I don't want to sound like the guy in my stand-up. I don't want to sound like the characters I've played before. Mm -hmm. I'm just the guy who wants to play baseball. Yeah. I just want to play against the Yankees once. That's it. No ghetto stuff. Sure. No slang, no this, no that. Just no, wants a character. No race whatsoever, mm-hmm. which I thought was incredible. Yeah. And he did it. It's probably one of the many reasons it works, because it's, <laughs> it's not about that. And that's, that's right. That's how you need to humanize somebody. I mean, race is never mentioned in that movie, to, right. the, to, the, to the best of my recollection. I mean, not uh, we, I, Yeah. We, we you know, certainly didn't bring it up. I have a very weird side question. This is just occurring to me. Yeah. What... <laughs> Do you get any credit in coming to America since the Dukes pop into there? We tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, our lawyers tried. Uh-huh. So that's just a little... They said, well, that's technically a sequel because you're using characters that we... That, For sure. That we created. Right. Right. Um, as long as it's not a sore spot. It just occurred to me. Well, Robert Townsend's... Well, he, he's been trying to do Brewster's Billions. Really? Yeah, there's a script. I met him mm-hmm. uh, at this... Event, he was very nice about it. I mean, but it hasn't happened, right? Nor has triplets. <laughs> you know that that one keeps getting thrown around. I keep hearing rumors. You I know. know. Yeah. Um, there was a kindergarten cop two uh-huh. that went that went basically straight to VOD. Okay. With okay. with Dolph Lundgren, which wow, which um. This company tried to palm off as a sequel. They called it Kindergarten Cop 2. Oh, right. And <clears throat> in the tentative credits, they gave the full screenwriting credit to, to this guy they hired to write this, mm-hmm. um, which caused an immediate arbitration. Of course. <clears throat> of course. And so um, the Writers Guild, in their infinite wisdom, said, you can call it a sequel, but it's actually a remake. Yeah, yeah. So you have to credit those guys twice, based <laughs> based on the original, and they're sharing credit with your writer, mm-hmm. and you have to pay them. Wow! All right. So o- okay, Brewster's Billions, bring it. Yeah, for sure. Of course. <laughs> Triplets, <laughs> bring it. <laughs> Space Jam too. I'm curious to read that. You know what? I will tell you. They're based on my podcast listening. There are people who are about nine years younger than me who would shit themselves if that happened because it is all a certain generation of podcasters oh, I know. talk about. Listen, I did a Reddit AMA a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Every other question was, when's Space Jam 2 coming out? Of course. Either, either that or, is it a Tuma? <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> of course. Did any of them ask, hey, why am I strangely attracted to that girl bunny in that movie? Because a <laughs> lot of those guys... <laughs> exactly. Lola Bunny. Yeah, right. Well, we actually created her, and then we tried to get a piece of the marketing, but we lost that case. Too. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> well, that's... They said, well, Bugs had a... 
a girlfriend back in the day in this one cartoon, so. But most of the time, Bugs is the girlfriend himself. So, I mean, what are you talking about? Right. Come on. He's, he's the one dressed as a woman. Um, <laughs> holy cow. Um, I want to touch upon... So, let's say nobody's nobody knows anything about Lenny Bruce. All right. Or they haven't heard this Best Of album. What's a good reason to listen to this? Give this thing a listen. Okay. So, this is, uh, what, 1962? 1962. Okay. So, you have to, like... That's uh, 57 years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you have to put yourself transport yourself back if you possibly can to that era of you know bomb shelters and toothpaste smiles and mm-hmm. and and eisenhower and all this kind of stuff right and well you know kennedy has finally been elected but so there's some hopefulness and and some youth but this guy is sort of picking apart at at American cultural icons mm-hmm. like religion. Mm-hmm. So, Religions Inc. is actually pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I think, don't you? Absolutely, I do. Because <laughs> while I I do I do exactly that. You, you're like put yourself in the because there are things here I've heard people do since, but that doesn't mean they weren't. I mean, listen to that audience. That's the first time they've heard this. That's right. That's that's it's just it's a. It's a, it's this like dirty little thrill. It was heresy. Life. Yeah, of course. But they, they're digging it, obviously. Well, his audience, they came to dig it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. And he was a hipster, so of course, of course. They, by the way, they really, they really play that up on the marvelous Miss Maisel. It's sorry. I'm just gonna <laughs> recommend it one more time. Uh, drugs haven't really entered into it in time. Oh no, that's a lie. They have entered into it a bit on the show. It's right. only mentioned slightly. But yeah, I, I feel like that's always integral to listening to any of the albums we talk about on the show is try and, it's hard, but try and put yourself in the position of what if this is the first time I've even heard this trope? Or the first time somebody's been like, okay, so you've heard every Bill Hicks album. Well, right. he this this is new. This is absolutely new. Yeah, this is the crucible for all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, man, it's just, <laughs> there's so much, but still, that, that Joe Lewis is a hell of a fighter. Still my favorite. Joe Lewis, I mean... <laughs> How to make how to make your black friends comfortable at parties is that's pretty classic. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, so I'm going to recommend people listen to this. I'm going to recommend people uh, buy all your films, obviously. Oh, thank you. Obviously, <laughs> um, is there anywhere people can follow you online, or is there anything coming up that you would like to promote? It's going to come out in a few weeks. I have some things, but it's it's probably too premature to talk about because they're not exactly in fair pre-production or yeah yeah about to pop it's so. hard with having a writer on because it's always like i don't know what i can talk about yet that's always how it is well, i know what i could i know what i could tout and, and talk about that doesn't mean anything's gonna happen <laughs> right so. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah well i've got this yeah, in development so. i've got that in yeah so uh, you know i'm a juggler i have like a lot, I, I have to keep a lot of balls in the air of course at the same time so i have no idea which one's going to come down that's fair. If any. That's fair. Are you on Twitter or anything or on Facebook? I think I saw a Facebook I have page. A, yeah, but I have a very, I keep a very low social profile. Cause, fair. Um, and I don't want to tweet. I don't want to get into a tweet storm. Also I, fair. I don't, <clears throat> I don't actually post on Facebook because I don't like to get into those little arguments about yeah. X, Y, Z. Uh-huh. While you're being surveilled and tracked about yeah. by yeah. advertisers about, oh, Here's what this person thinks. So mm-hmm. Let's try to sell him this. Oh yeah, every time. Or I've just talked about a thing, and suddenly I'm getting ads for that. Yeah, oh, exactly. Shit, what did I leave on on my phone? Yeah, Fun. I heard a really interesting thing about. They said Chrome is the surveillance browser. Yeah, yeah. I've just been for a while. I was like, hey, it's the fastest thing. Just do this. Go into incognito mode if you it's want to Google, for some. Right? Yeah, but a hundred percent. But yeah. guess what? I mean, I I keep hearing that Chrome is just for sale you're for sale mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas mozilla firefox you're not yeah no that is true at the very least like if you want to be safe that's probably your best way i don't know how i segued into <laughs> <laughs> it's all right we're ta- surveillance but of course <laughs> the paranoid streak in american thought and politics is alive and well that's obviously. true that's true <laughs> <laughs> for good for good reason <laughs> I really thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, you're most welcome. It's been an absolute honor. Oh, thanks. Um, I enjoyed you're, it. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, if there's another album you think you want to talk about, or got a random one out of my dumb collection you want to talk about, <laughs> there's some real garbage in there. Um, 
I don't have to tell people. You know what? Uh, follow me. You follow me. I don't care. I don't give a crap about that. I'm talking to co-writer one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, thanks. That's all that matters. Uh, I'm going to say thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. <laughs>